my name is Brad, and uh, it's really fun to, to be here today. I've actually, I've been serving with kids for the last uh, several weeks, and so, um, I don't know, honestly, it's probably easier doing that than this. Uh, it's one of those secrets within the body, is uh, you can just sit there with a child and hold them and talk to them and play with cars, uh, which is sometimes quite easier than listening to us talk. Uh, it's probably easier than, than talking itself. But uh, today we are uh, going to be talking about how to live wisely in regards to the Bible itself. Uh, because if you look at Proverbs, and anyone here trying to read through Proverbs right now? It's okay, no shame. One person. Uh, so there's no shame. That's all right. Uh, but if you were to say, like, I'm going to read a proverb every day, like a whole chapter once a day, what you would find is over and over again, uh, the writers and the compilers of this book uh, keep saying that the book itself is super crucial. Uh, they keep saying this one thing over and over again, that the word of instructions, the words of God, are key to the whole wisdom thing. In fact, you can sort of walk away if you read it all at once, thinking, oh, I guess... Uh, the wisest thing we could ever do is read and listen to the words of God. That if we keep our eyes focused on the Bible, we'll be just fine. Uh, in fact, Proverbs says over and over again, uh, you'll thrive. You'll be fully alive if you just listen to the Bible. It's as if the Bible, through the book of Proverbs, keeps shouting at us uh, like one of those books that can talk. Uh, if you you know, we're into like the, the Bible talking cartoon way back in the day. Uh, the Bible keeps yelling to us, just listen to me. If you would just listen to me, you'd be fine. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, which is where we'll spend most of our time today, is one of those uh, Word of God Proverbs. Uh, and you can see it here in, in just sort of these, these lines through this Proverbs. In Proverbs 4, verse 4, uh, it says, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Uh, verse 13 says, keep hold of instruction, do not let go, guard her, for she is your life. Or, in verse 22, it says, for they are life to those who find them. They, the words of God, are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. And so here you can see, you know, it's like there it is. Uh, the words, the instructions, the commands of God are so powerful, so amazing, uh, so profound, that the word of God is so rich that if we put them in our hearts, if we keep them, if we know them, uh, we get life. Healing of the flesh, it even says. The Word of God, if we could decipher it and understand it and apply it in our lives, will lead to life. Uh, or perhaps uh, you might also be thinking, man, are you going to do a proverb on, or teach on the Proverbs and the Bible and not quote this passage? Because it's one of the most famous sort of what is the Bible all about, how does it work, uh, verses. Proverbs 35 sort of sums up this whole just listen to me for goodness sake aspect of Proverbs and verse Five of chapter 30, it says, every word of God proves true or uh, is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. 
here saying the word of God is without error, it's without confusion, it's out without mistake, it doesn't mess up, it always gets what it wants, it always explains what it wants to explain, it's true. Like an arrow, uh, or so I've heard, uh, there are true arrows and there are false arrows. A true arrow is one that, that, that you can shoot and it will always hit its mark. All we have to do is get into that word, to understand it, to read it, to apply it, to discipline ourselves, and what we will get is refuge. Uh, this is uh, this is like simple, right? This is basic Christianity. The Bible is good. Uh, the Bible is the word of God. It's so powerful that that we should hear it, and we should listen to it. And if we do, life will go really well. Uh, we will uh, understand the world. It's that simple, right? I remember when I was 10 years old, my family decided, uh, I guess by listening to God or something like that, that we were going to move from our little house uh, in sort of suburban Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, to move uh, to Lisbon, Portugal, the city. Uh, it's right on the nose of the Iberian Peninsula, if you kind of can picture a map of Europe. Uh, the very tip of Europe is where we moved. It was awesome. Uh, and as we did that, uh, my dad was a pastor, and so we went to many, many churches, and we explained how we were going to go be, uh, you know, that sort of traditional missionary. And after each service, we don't do this here. It's pr- kind of cool. It would, like, bring up a lot of, like, satisfaction in me if we did. But someone would share, and then you had to stand in the front of the church building and the, the sanctuary as people made this line, kind of like a wedding procession, and they kept coming through, and they would talk to you. And we had to sit there in our nice pleated khakis and shake everyone's hand. And what would happen is often as we did that, people would come up to us, and they would say, and they would quote the Bible, uh, particularly Genesis chapter 12, where it says, Go from your country, your people, your house, to the land I will show you, and God will bless you. They said, hey, you're leaving your home, your family, you're doing this. So the, the Bible says, go away from all your people in your country and God will bless you. Uh, but it turned out, because I believe this so well, all these wise people quoted the Bible to me. Uh, I thought, well, surely we'll get blessed because we've given up all this stuff for God. But in the end, it didn't feel that way, at least to a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 13-year-old. And so on. It felt like uh, we gave up a lot of stuff, and uh, as we got here to that country, it didn't feel like a blessing at all. My parents fought. Uh, they'll listen to this podcast, so they'll love knowing that you, that you did that. My mom's real faithful uh, to this sermon series. Uh, we, my parents fought a lot. My mom was uh, stressed out of her mind. We, didn't, we couldn't make friends because we didn't speak the language. Even if we did learn how to speak the language, the culture was so different. We were like dorks still wearing pleated khakis. You know, like, how were we supposed to make any friends? Uh, we had a teacher that came to teach us, and she was there for just a few months. as like, I can't handle this. I got to go. And so all the while, I kept thinking, but the Bible said if we gave up all this stuff, we'd be blessed. I can remember, too, as a kid, uh, learning all the stories, the moral stories. Uh, for me, one thing that stuck out a lot was the story of Cain and Abel, uh, because I had brothers, and what I took away from that is be nice to your brothers. Uh, if you're not nice to your brother, you'll accidentally kill them, 
and then what will happen? You'll have this weird tattoo. I thought, oh, okay, so the, those are the morals. Well, there are a lot of stories like that. Of if you're really sick, I guess you've got to go uh, bathe in a, in a dirty river, and then God will make you clean. Or even stories like Zacchaeus, that if the moral of that story is that what we should do is do whatever we can uh, to climb up and get Jesus to come into our house, whatever that means. We should be nice people. These stories kind of taught us that. And so maybe that's kind of how you approach the Bible. And so when you hear these Proverbs, you're thinking, I don't know if it really adds up that way. Like, is, is it really that simple? Just read the Bible and life goes good. Life, life is its best. Or maybe for you, you've been taught or you understand the Bible to be a book of rules. If we could just get uh, an understanding of all the situations in life and what we're supposed to do to be good, uh, we can do it. And that the, the rules kind of work with tons of authority, that you can say those rules to anyone and they're supposed to follow it. Do the rules, dedicate your life to obeying whatever the Bible says, and life will go well. Uh, but I've also, I've known many people who woke up every day, they read their Bibles, they lived very, very faithful lives, yet they died way too young. Or sickness still came into their family. Or their children uh, end up suffering deeply and they had to watch it. So maybe it's not if we just learn the rules. Uh, but maybe some of us also might look at the Bible as a therapy book. That there are words within it that will make us feel better. And if what we should do is look into the Bible and, and find those bits, those really good bits that sound good, that are easy to understand, and that will just encourage us. Just find those therapy pieces. Or maybe you've understood it to be like this wonderful puzzle that if you could just understand it and put all the pieces together, you would have all the knowledge. That the Bible is like this encyclopedia of all knowledge and information you could ever desire. And so if you study it like Sherlock Holmes or like Nicolas Cage pursuing treasure in the nation's capital or something, then uh, you could find some treasure, right? Then you would have all of the, the answers to every problem, every issue, every situation. You could just, like, give it to them. Plus, you know, you'd have the added benefit of knowing, like, everything. If you could just, like, that's what we do. And that's, maybe that's what... Proverbs means when it says, just listen to me. If we could just get that knowledge. I think, though, uh, the, what the Proverbs says when it says, let your heart hold fast to the Bible and you'll live, I believe that the Bible is the Word of God and it does bring life. I think the Word of God is that powerful. But I also think... Uh, we might need to think about it in different terms and different ideas than we normally do. That maybe the Bible is not a list of rules uh, for us. Maybe the Bible is not uh, a list of therapy uh, lines that we can apply to ourselves. Uh, maybe it's more. And I think even here in this chapter of chapter 4, it, it kind of highlights a lot of things that we miss uh, when we come to the Bible. So in verse 1, it says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. 
And there's three sections. And so the second section starts this way in verse 10. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. In verse 20, it says, My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. In each of these sections, it, it keeps coming back to, Hear, my son, or child, come and listen to a father's word. Or it says, Hear, my son, listen to me. And receive what I have to say. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Turn your ears to me. It's as if uh, one way to sort of paraphrase, paraphrase these three verses is to say, listen, child, to the voice of the Father. Pay attention and receive his words. In each of these sections, it starts with this hear or listen. Listen to what the Bible is saying. Listen not just to, the, to some documents, but listen to the Father. Listen as a child. It actually reminds me of when I was 13 years old and I had uh, kind of gone through my goth stage already. I've always been an early, uh, early mature. Uh, I'll probably die young or something. Uh, but I was 13. I'd already gone through my really grunge, angry uh, goth stage and I actually, in a summer camp, I had this uh, really kind of remarkable, uh, for me, this encounter with Jesus, which was simply that Jesus loved me. And at 13 years old in that summer, I was just so completely overwhelmed with how good God actually was. That I had spent my life learning all these stories, and then all of a sudden I realized, wait a second, Jesus loves me, like, period. That's the end of it. So I had this huge, like, awesome camp high. It was, it was in Switzerland. It was literally on a mountain in this beautiful place where I began to like listen to God and pray for the very first times. But my dad set me down that summer. I think part of it was to teach me uh, something very important and uh, how to listen to the scriptures. I think the other part of it was me and my brothers were going to destroy his house. And so he set us down on this kitchen table and he told us all, He says, it's great that you had this God experience, this beautiful camp time, where God spoke to you. Uh, You heard God speak. But if you want to continue in life, God will actually speak to you through this. And he handed us uh, Bibles and journals and notebooks. And he taught us how to stop and how to listen, and how to answer very simple questions. He, he had us all read the Gospel of John and ask questions like, what does this mean to John? What did this mean to God? What does this mean to his people? What does this mean to me? And he would taught us how to like read the Bible and to stop and to listen. Because, and this is probably the greatest lesson, my dad didn't teach me how to like change the oil or really anything practical, Uh, But he did teach me this, which is incredible, that there is life and, and that it's not that there's something important to discover from the Bible, but there's a God to discover in the Bible. So the Proverbs, uh, when they're talking about the, the Bible, it says, hear sons, listen to this. We're not putting the Bible on trial. We're not dissecting it. We're not hunting for nuggets. We're listening to a father. And, and that we should come as children. 
Uh, my, my daughter, Nora, is the oldest child, so classic oldest child stuff. She's always explaining to my younger two children what's actually happening, what the plan is for the day, why mom and dad made the decisions that we made. And we have to stop her all the time and say, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea. You are a child. You do not know like what our mortgage is. You don't know like any of these things. You are making it up. You don't know. But I think that the Proverbs is also, it says listen over and over again, but it also intentionally calls us sons, children, that we would understand that we come to the Bible that way too. That, we, that, that the wisdom of the scriptures is actually not that we come above it, but that we come under it as dependent children who don't know what we are talking about. We don't know how the world works and how it's supposed to work. We don't know why God is doing what he's doing. We don't know these things. We're just making it up as we go along. And he says, no, child, listen to the Father. And the Father here, it's, it's quite, to me, uh, revealing that it's, a, it's a, the listening to the Father's words, the Father's instructions, the Father's message, His commands. See, the Bible is not an encounter with documents. It's not an, an encounter with scrolls or bounded paper. It's an encounter with the living God who created heaven and earth. That it's His voice That when we're approaching the Bible, however you do it, even on an audio Bible or you've got an app uh, or you're pulling it up and getting, you know, like podcasts or something like that, you're not approaching uh, words and paper. You're approaching the living God, the voice of God itself. It's not an encounter with something that we just sort of examine. It's an encounter with the person of God, the content uh, is not just is about God itself. It's not just that God is a messenger of wonderful insights, but the, but the purpose, the whole thing, is actually about God, not about us. That's one of the, re- the profound reasons about why all of those things I listed at the beginning fall short. Because then the Bible is about us. It's about us getting our therapy. It's about us getting advice. It's about us getting rules to follow. It's about us getting smart. Or it's about us, you know, understanding stories and living a good life. The Bible's not about that. The Bible is about God. And so, and it's about his words. It's about his story. It's about his character. It's the true story, even of the entire world. That's why he says, listen to a father's instruction. Pay attention so that you could gain understanding. This is how the world really works. And see, you can even step back from just Proverbs and look at the whole story and see that that the Word of God is not just, as I've said, letters that, that jumble together to form words that become sentences and paragraphs, but it actually creates in the beginning God spoke. In the beginning, God decided to make humanity. In the beginning, God gave humans uh, dignity and value and told us that we had a purpose in this world. With God's voice, he comes looking for Adam and Eve. He says, where are you seeking 
to find what was lost. In the, in the words that he says throughout the whole uh, first five books of the Bible, which uh, are the books of Moses, uh, or it's described as the Torah, that's how the Jewish people have known it, that's the Bible that people were actually carrying around in the time of the Old Testament. And that was called the instruction or the, or the, the commands. It was this whole story. And throughout all of that, you see God over and over again promising rescue with his words, hearing the cries of people in Exodus chapter 3, and then responding and speaking even through Moses saying, I will give you words in your mouth to speak. And so we cannot become numb to this fact that the Bible is the word or the voice of God. It's the word about him. It's his voice. It's him. Uh, I, th- I think often we might get caught up in wanting uh, you know, that sort of audible, radical experience. Uh, most of the people I've known that have uh, had this really awesome, like, God spoke to me. It was amazing. Like, I heard his voice. Are also, ironically, people that love and devour listening to the voice of God and the scriptures themselves, too. Because we might understand probably better that this is, these pages, the the story, the word of God, is God's voice to us. And doesn't that, I think, change everything we think about the Bible? Uh, You don't come to the Father revealing himself, the creator of heaven and earth, and, and hearing his entire story and say, Excuse me, Father, what are the moral bits that I could sort of apply for myself? Or you don't, you don't interrupt the words of God and you don't come to God and have this encounter with the creator of heaven and earth and say, hey, what sort of, I know this is all good, you revealing yourself to me, but what are the, the therapy parts that I could use? What are the things that are going to really encourage me? What are the things that are going to help me play better, you know, football? I really want those pieces. You don't do that when you've encountered and had contact with the knowledge of God. You don't say, hey, but what's something that I could take to impress people with? You walk away like a child walks away. Whenever we sit Nora down and say, hey, you don't know what you're talking about, she gets the sense of, I really don't. I really am dependent on you for like five seconds. And then she like continues on. But we don't have this encounter with God through the word, and then what we want to bring away from it is, uh, oh, should I smoke weed or not? You know, you walk away saying, I've, I've known and seen God. And that, Proverbs is saying, is the invitation. Proverbs is, is reminding us over and over again, and chapter 4 is such a great example of this, that God is sending us this important invitation like to a wedding which is great listen as a child to the words of the father who created the heavens and the earth and encounter him hear the living god and you will live and so i think there's that if that's the invitation come listen to the father how do we actually respond to that 
I think Proverbs gives us quite a few uh, insights. The first is that we would be attentive. If we receive that invitation, come listen to the creator of heaven and earth, the father who loves his children, who loves his sons, who loves his daughter, we respond by paying attention. It says uh, in this chapter, be attentive, gain insight, Uh, receive the wisdom that I've taught you. Incline your ear to the sayings. That we wouldn't just uh, passively have the word of God go over us, but that we would be active in giving our attention to it. So one of the the sort of basic takeaways would be that we would uh, read the Bible or listen to the Bible. Uh, We don't have to get caught up in how good we are at reading and stuff. Uh, for the bulk of human history, people have heard the Bible, so audible Bibles are totally cool. Just feel comfortable in that. But, it, but one implication is that we would listen to it, that we would read it, and that we would seek to understand what it says, that we would long to hear the voice of the Father telling us what's true about Him, what's true about the world, what's true about the story of the world, that we would long to understand uh, that we would put our ear close. Uh, that, that as if your grandfather is telling this story that you've never heard before, that you're, they're beginning to understand, wow, that's why my family is the way it is. You lean in and you listen more carefully. You, you allow that voice to become the, the most striking voice in the entire room. This is the implication, that we would listen to it. And I do want to sort of acknowledge uh, one, you know, large elephant in the room, like larger than most elephants, uh, which is that the Bible uh, was written in multiple languages that aren't even spoken anymore, uh, thousands of years ago, spanning, the, the writing of it spanned thousands of years, by dozens and dozens of human authors, And it's filled with multiple genres that we do not encounter, like how many people are sending uh, Greco-Roman correspondence letters these days, uh, or sitting down and writing uh, apocalyptic prophecy poetry, like no one is is doing that. So the big elephant in the room is is that the Bible is uh, not easy to read, like Harry Potter is, or uh, Twilight, or whatever cool teenage book is existing that adults read. Uh, it's, it is, sorry. I mentioned Twilight. It takes place in Oregon. Anyway. The Bible is a challenge. There, there are substantial challenges in it. Uh, but I will say this. It's not impossible. And far too often, I see so many people uh, say, well, man, this was written in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, and uh, I mean, how could I even approach that? I have to be some sort of like rocket scientist or something to like even understand something. Or, hey, well, Brad, you went to seminary and you spent all this money. Like, that's how you that's how you can read the Bible. While the Bible is uh, a challenge, especially for our human hearts in this day and age where we want to uh, receive a story in 30 seconds or less, or if the story gets boring, we can just click to the right of it and skip to the next part of the story. That is a challenge. But the Bible is not impossible to understand. 
While it was written over multiple cultures, multiple times, multiple languages, here's one like pro tip. People are people. People were messed up then the same ways people are messed up now. The good news of God then is the same as the good news is now. We think that we're like really complicated. Like, God, you don't understand. We have social media. So like, how could like I ever connect to a group of people that were trying to one up the other and trying to be prideful and put on their best face? I can't, I can't connect to that. It's like, yes, you can. While, while the things that we've done to sin have changed, uh, the details of them, humans have been humans. And what God has to say to us is still the same. And while we might not know uh, all the details of how shepherds work, or we might not know all of Roman customs, uh, they're pretty much the same. We can imagine for a second, I wonder how a shepherd works, and then we would know. Like, oh, they probably, like, take care of sheep and take care of them. They must, like, let them eat food and must, they must let them drink water. You don't have to know that much about it. Uh, then also, I would say, even though it is... Uh, possible, not impossible, we have at our disposal today a ton of resources that help us bridge that gap. And just like a few of them is uh, a really good study Bible. Uh, If you don't know what that is, you can come and talk to me, but it will have in the margins explanations of all the really confusing parts, uh, which is like so great. Another really great resource, uh, and I totally enjoy doing this, some people take advantage of this, is you can, like, text me the really confusing parts, and I'll answer it, and I, like, love that. Uh, probably too much. You can ask the people that do that, and they're like, wow, that was, like, a thousand words in a text back to me. But also, there's a few books. There's a book called 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. It's phenomenal. It has, it, in 30 days, you'll get a really good lay of the land. Uh, there's also a book that one of my professors wrote, uh, Ray Lubeck. It's called Reading the Bible for a Change. It's really small, and it helps you understand all this sort of genre and big-picture stuff of the Bible. It's fantastic. And then there's also uh, videos uh, made by this organization called The Bible Project, uh, also former professors. They do all sorts of stuff in Portland at Western Seminary. Uh, but uh, there's also good books that are not written by my former professors. I just have never read them because they made me buy their books. You know, it's like a revenue stream. Anyway, the Bible is understandable. And what Proverbs is saying is pay attention, gain insight. And Proverbs chapter 3, it talks about seeking the Bible as if it contained more treasure than anything we could ever find elsewhere. And that we would put, if we're going to try to really understand all of these other complicated things, uh, like how is LeBron James going to get to the Los Angeles Lakers this summer, we can put the same, that's just me, uh, we can put the same uh, important work into understanding how the Bible works. And this is why that is important. If you don't understand the words of God, it's going to be really hard to understand the world around us because it isn't so uh, importantly written to the human heart and condition. And if you don't understand the Bible, it's also really hard to even understand yourself and your own motives. As the, the New Testament writers call it, being tossed to and fro like a boat in the ocean. 
It's also if you don't understand the words of God, if we don't incline and pay our attention to, to what God is saying as the father to his children, it's hard to know God too. You can last for uh, a while, you know, based off of really good sermons you heard in youth group. Or you could sort of try to get from one sermon to the next within our church. We're pretty good at that. But, but you will run out of steam so quickly. The, this chapter also says that we wouldn't just be attentive, but that we would receive it as well. That we would keep it in our hearts. That we would write it as necklaces. That we would carve in our hearts like a tablet. That we would receive what God has said to us. It's one thing to go to the Bible and to listen and to understand it. But it's another thing to make our lives hospitable to the word. And, and one of the ways that we're inhospitable is we might come to the Bible as a proofreader. Looking for all the mistakes and all the typos. Or we could come to it and, and be hard to convict. Like, this can't say anything to me. Or we might come to the Word as if it's an assignment. Uh, i got to do this to prove myself. Or to receive the Word, to accept the Word, is likely that, that God would have access to your soul and that you would freely welcome the words of God to examine your own heart and your own life. He also tells us to guard the word, to not forsake it, to not forget it, to not walk away from it, that it would reshape who we are, that we would allow the voice of God to actually change who we are, not just hearing it, not just understanding, not just allowing God to access to our lives, but that it would even change who we are and how we live. Because if the word of God is, is how Proverbs describes it, that powerful, that life-giving, then you wouldn't sort of uh, take the word and then move on from it. You would never forget it. You would keep it for the rest of your life. You would guard it from now on. You would continually go back to it. Uh, you know, it would become addictive to us. We wouldn't just sort of walk away. If the Bible is what the Bible claims to be, uh, you don't outgrow it. Don't be like, man, that was a cool phase, that whole Bible phase. If, that's, if the Bible is what it claims to be, you never outgrow it. You keep it. You walk in it. It becomes part of who you are and how you live. Not as a document list, but as the voice of God into your soul. You would walk in the truths. You would be obedient. You would respond. You would, you would act differently. The Bible would change your attitudes and your motivations for life. And you would still suffer in life. You would still uh, you know, experience what I experienced when I was 12 and 13 years old of not having any friends at many times, uh, or zero friends, I guess. Uh, or you might even continue to experience the pain of life lived too short, and death, and agony, and all of these things. But the Proverbs is saying, these words bring life to your soul, healing to the brokenness. And I think there's just one uh, more question about the Bible. Uh, is it all just words? Uh, 
Is God all talk? Because up until now, we've just talked about the voice of the Father speaking to us. Uh, But is God just talking to humanity? Or is it more than that? Is it just about listening? See, I think uh, a really wise uh, author, who I've actually quoted earlier in this series, uh, says that words must become flesh for them to be trustworthy. You can't trust anybody unless their knowledge and unless what they say becomes rooted in reality. Words have to become tangible, or they're just words. Like when someone says, hey, we should hang out sometime, but then never hangs out with you, that's just words. Like They just want to say something as they walk away from you. Or if they say uh, things like, man, I really care about you, but then they don't care for you, then they don't really care for you, right? Or if someone comes to you and says, I love you so much, but then when all the agony and pain of life comes, they're nowhere to be found, they don't love you, right? Isn't that how it works? Does that make sense? So words have to become flesh. And so keeping everything in mind that we just read in Proverbs 4, let's just turn as we close to John chapter 1. And in verse 1 he says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then skipping down just to verse 9 He continues, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. And the word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word becomes flesh and dwells among us. In him was life. All who receive him get to be called children of God. The Word existed, the Word from the beginning, it was God. The Word uh, created all things. In the Word was life, and that life was the light of men. See, Proverbs 4 asks us to listen and to hear and receive the Word as children, right? In John 1, it opens up with saying, that Word all along has been Jesus And it's become flesh. All who receive that word get life. Life abundant. Life eternal. Life forever. See, the words of God throughout all of the Old Testament are about this dramatic play of God caring and seeking people. And also seeking justice, seeking uh, a payment for sin, seeking uh, some sort of restitution and restoration of the human soul. 
All the while, through not just the book of Proverbs, but through the prophets and even Moses himself and Deuteronomy, keeps saying, listen to God's word. Listen to him. He is acting. He is moving. He's doing something that will bring life. And then in John chapter 1, it's that God himself is not just talking a good talk about redemption and love and grace, but it says, the Son who came from the Father was full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word lived a life. The Word was true. That Jesus lived a life that was true. See, Proverbs 35 is profoundly right. That the Word of God is true and faultless. And whoever has it has refuge forever. In him is a refuge that lasts. The word is healing. Jesus walks as the word of God, healing sickness and death. He pushes back against evils and the demonic. He, He speaks light into people's souls. He is the true word of God. Not only that, but that all of the talk of uh, forgiveness of sins and justice becomes enacted and completed in the word of God on the cross. That, That Jesus, as the Son of God, as the word of God itself, made flesh dwelling among us, dies for forgiveness of sins and for us, the wicked, crooked generation that keeps coming generation after generation. And there, and the word of God makes forgiveness for us all. Reconciliation for you and for me. The word of God, flesh with action, trustworthy. And then on the third day, Jesus rises from the dead as a victorious giver of light and life. When it says it's healing for the flesh, that we might die but live forever. Proverbs 4 is so profoundly true. It's more true than we realize. It's more true than just making sure we have a Bible study each day. Though all of that, super important. All of that still stands. But let us, uh, as we go into communion, acknowledge that what we're holding fast to, what we're putting our ears to, what we're trying to understand, the insight we're trying to grow in, is that the Word of God became flesh and dwelled among us. So much better than morality bits, therapy lines, encouragement pieces. It's the renewal of everything. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you that you are not just words, but you took action. That you do not just call to us and say that you love us, But it's so tangibly true because you came to our biggest sickness, our sin, and you took it on yourself. Jesus, you are the word of God that is true, proven true. I pray even as we come and take communion that we would find refuge and safety in your word. That you would renew our hearts. That you would convict us. That we would receive you as children. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.